Welcome to the Hypnotoad Podcast on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Another winner weekend for the TCU Horn Frogs, a 34-17 win against SMU. We'll talk about that. We also will hit on the hangover that is preventing TCU from getting ranked. And then, of course, what should be an easy Big 12 win this Saturday at home. We'll get into all that and more. But first, got to remind you, subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever you get the Hypnotoad podcast, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your college football content, make sure you hit subscribe and the bell on the YouTube channel as well so you never miss another event, bro, because there's so much good stuff. And check out HarlandCollegeSports.com where they have you covered. I'm telling you, they pump out content on the daily. Sometimes on Sundays, I'm getting notifications, ping, ping, ping. So many different things. Get recaps of all the games, thoughts, analysis, wherever you want from your college football website. They have it over there, heartlandcollegesports.com. All right, let's get into it. 34-17 win for TCU over SMU this weekend. It is the eighth win in 10 games for the Horned Frogs, and it's the 12th win in the past 15 years against SMU. At some point, it is a rivalry. It will always be a rivalry. But at some point, we need to talk about TCU's one-sided rivalry in this contest. When Gary Patterson was at the helm, it was one-sided. Now with Sonny Dykes, he has won his previous four Battle of the Skillet games. And remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is one of the last four, three or four left. Game ends in 2025. So for TCU, getting this win is important. Of course, you want to get this win to continue to build your resume as we get into conference play, but also in the grand scheme of things, you want to get these wins so that when we look back on the history of this, and we hope that the Battle of the Skillet comes back at some point, I hope that this isn't one of those Texas A&M things where, for whatever reason, money, scheduling, that the game doesn't get played for a decade. I hope that that's not the case for TCU and SMU. I hope they can get back on a schedule and make this a regularly scheduled game, especially when you consider that this will become a conference or conference game between the Big 12 and the ACC. It's going to get a lot of eyeballs. You know, this will be one of those games where the Big 12 network, the ESPN of the world, the ESPN-owned ACC, this will be a good game to put on the air. I just hope that these two athletic athletic directors, athletic front offices can get the job done and to get this game back on track. But like I said, you want to get as many of these wins as possible so that when you look at the history of this game, the TCU is always going to be on the winning side. When you talk about the game, you got to talk about the three different things. You got to talk about the quarterback, the running back, and the defense because those are the three big takeaways. Let's start with quarterback Chandler Morris. Morris, 261 yards, three TDs, no interceptions. He looked very good in the pocket, looked a lot more comfortable. He didn't rush a ton in this game. He was pressured a couple times by the SMU defense, uh, and he was able to scramble a little bit. But for the most part, it was a very good day at the office for Chandler Morris. Uh, I was impressed by multiple touchdown game, the fourth of the season. This is the fourth multiple touchdown game he's had for Max Duggan. Last year at this point, 11 touchdowns. He had eight straight multi-touchdown games passing the football. Now, for Chandler, right, he's got nine passing touchdowns, three interceptions, two of them against uh, Colorado to start the season, then one of them against Nickel State where he just got sloppy with the ball. He has done a very good job of not turning the ball over. This was one of those things that in the beginning of the season, 
talked about concerns for Morris. I was not so concerned about Morris that I thought that TCU would be an eight-win team. I still contend. I think TCU at the end of the year could be playing and will be playing for a conference championship. I think the defense is getting better and better. We'll talk about them in a minute. But I think that this is the type of quarterback that you can put in positions to win you games. I, I really trust Chandler Morris. A lot of people before the season, though, had questions about his accuracy, had questions about his decision-making. Can this guy be a guy, a quarterback, who will stand in the pocket, who will throw the ball consistently on target, and is he somebody that, you know, a year of rust after not losing the starting position last year to Duggan, is he going to come in and try to be a big playmaker, right? You want that a little bit. You want that in sparks, in spots. You don't want that in the first quarter. You don't want that when your team's leading by 10 points in the fourth. You don't want to be looking for the big play, the knockout punch, every time you touch the ball. Some quarterbacks are like that. Chandler Morris has not been. I think he's been very smart with the football to this point. Second thing, we now have our answer on what the running back situation is for TCU. I didn't want to preemptively say this is what it was going to be, but now we are four weeks in. I can confidently say that Bailey is now going to be the every down running back in between the uh, tens. So for the majority of the field, for the majority of these offensive possessions, he will be the running back who's touching the ball. Had 26 rushing yards on Saturday with a touchdown. He leads the conference in rushing yards with over 400 through four games. And it is going to be Trey Sanders who is going to be the goal line back. So I don't know if you guys play college fantasy football. I did one year. A.J. Dillon was my uh, workhorse MVP when he was playing at Boston College. Sanders is the vulture. He's going to be the big back. He's going to be the guy who's going to be punching it in from three yards, four yards out. He looked good in this game as well. He has a a, a couple touchdowns of the season. Bailey looks good running uh, outside. Still in between the tackles, TCU makes me nervous. They're not going to be the type of team that lines you up and knocks you down. I liked it in this game against SMU. They had a lead. They were able to play with the lead. This looks like the type of team that I was expecting at the beginning of the season. And to be completely fair with you, this is what I think we should have been expecting. I think my expectations were too high. I looked at TCU as a one-loss, maybe two-loss team. I think maybe, potentially, they're a three-loss team. But I still think... The Colorado loss, I had chalked up as a win, so now you got to find an upset somewhere else on the calendar. Will that upset be against Texas? Will that upset be an, another game, maybe a Kansas State game? Where will you find that extra win now that you have that first loss? But in conference play, which is what we're going to get to here in a moment, in conference play, this TCU team, I think, is set up for success because the running game is getting better. I think you, if TCU can set up the running game to open up the passing lanes, that'll be something that uh, Kendall Bryles will want to do. The other thing, every time TCU's offense does not look good, there will consistently be people on, t- on Twitter, people who are looking at the box score, people who are watching the cutaways to the game, who will be blaming Chandler Morris and uh, Kendall Bryles. I- I've just come to that conclusion. We have to accept that as a fan base. You have to accept that as a TCU fan, that you are going to see the Danny Canells of the world. You're going to see the... Uh, college football experts, quote-unquote, of the world, tweet about this team and say, well, Kendall Bryles, you know, you you bring this scumbag in and he's not doing anything to change the offense. He's not doing anything spectacular with the offense. Chandler Morris is not doing anything special with the offense. To that I say, they're going to be the haters. There's going to be the criticism. You just have to accept it. 
Do not engage with it on social media if you can help it. That's all I'm going to say. Lastly, the defense. Defense has looked really good. Two turnovers they forced on Saturday against NSW. Two sacks, six tackles for loss. Josh Newton had an interception, as well as Bud Clark. He had his second interception of the season. He is in the uh, conversation as one of the better defensive backs in the Big 12 through the first four weeks. This defense has gotten a lot better at tackling. That is the number one thing I noticed from week one to week four. And this is what I continue to do. I go from what does the team look like? I keep little notes in my journal. What does the team look like week to week? And week to week so far, the offense has looked more confident running the ball. Chandler Morris has looked a little bit more poised in the pocket. And the defense can tackle. Those are the three big things that I have noticed through four weeks. Lastly, senior tight end, Jared Wiley. Two, two touchdowns uh, on Saturday against SMU. Five receptions for 37 yards. I still have him as one of the guys that before the season I was high on. I thought, okay, a returner. What do we expect from him? I think he's the best tight end in the Big 12 so far through four weeks. I think that Wiley has consistently been a good blocking tight end. But more importantly, he's played a part in the passing game. I'd like to see those numbers continue to move up. I like him as a red zone target. I think that in the draft comes spring. He will be a name that you're hearing about when we talk about tight ends in this draft class. I, I really do believe that uh, he's looked good through four weeks. We'll see, uh, keep an eye on that and see if he continues to be that type of playmaking tight end that I think the Horned Frogs are going to need in this passing game. Let's move on. Championship hangover. TCU is still not rate, ranked in the AP poll and the coaches poll. I've been workshopping this take with some people. I've been working with uh, our friend over at uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, uh, Mike Craven. I really like Craven. I think he's a he's a solid dude. Um, I was workshopping this take yesterday when talking about TCU because TCU continues not to get any respect in the polls. In fact, they dropped three spots uh, and to 32 overall in the AP poll. And it's reduced in points from 21 to 17 points. In fact, a win against the rival Mustangs did damage to where they were ranked a week ago. Against an FCS opponent a week ago, you beat SMU and all of a sudden you lose spots. Does not make any sense. You go through the rest of the teams who are ranked in the Big uh, 12. Texas at number three overall. I think that that's a fair spot to put them. Oklahoma at 14. Again, who have they beat? They're 14. That's fine. Kansas at 24. They're undefeated. That one makes sense to me. So the three undefeated teams in the Big 12 who are ranked, Texas, OU, Kansas. I agree with all of those. I'm fine with all three of those spots. What bothers me a little bit is Kansas State. They have one loss as well. They lost to Missouri. I would argue that the Missouri loss was worse than TCU's Colorado loss. What I mean by that is Colorado looked really good against TCU. That was one of their premier wins to start the season. That's a win that knocked TCU out of the top 25. And Colorado got their absolute doors blown off this weekend against Oregon. But that's a team that potentially could play in the playoffs. I don't think that it's a good loss by any means. I'm not saying that's a moral victory for Colorado. But I think the Colorado loss is not as bad as people made it out to be at the beginning of the season. Now, granted, if Colorado continues to lose games, say they get the doors blown off of them by USC and Utah and just all the other important teams in the Pac-12. We're going to circle back to Utah here in a moment. All the important teams of the Pac-12 beat Colorado. Okay, well, now we can talk that Colorado lost at the beginning of the season 
might not matter as much, might not or might matter more because it's not a good loss. But right now in week four, I would argue the TCU loss to Colorado is better than the Missouri loss that Kansas State had. Missouri is 4-0. They have uh, not a ton of great wins either. They've beat a couple FCS opponents. They play a very tough SEC schedule. I don't imagine that they're going to finish with a very good record, potentially a bowl team. I don't think that they're going to be any much big. I don't. I do not think that they're going to be competing in the SEC. Is my point. Whereas I think Colorado will compete in the Pac-12, and I, I think that the loss to Oregon is going to be a tough one for a lot of people. But I still think they're going to put up a fight, especially when Travis Hunter comes back. I I don't quite understand how TCU is rated or voted for so far down the line against teams like Kansas State, and then you look at the rest of the teams that are around TCU. And the only thing I can think of is that the TCU lost last year in the national championship. The TCU lost last year in the national championship, which was an absolute beatdown, is the last thing in a lot of these voters' mind. The last thing these AP voters are thinking about is the loss in the national championship instead of the wins every week, which is not something you should be doing, which is incorrect. I do not think you should vote that way. Last year was last year. This year is this year. If you think that TCU is a worse team than the Kansas State of the world, that's your prerogative. But right now, I truly believe that that is the thing that is holding TCU back. And the only way that you can get that stink off of you is to have a marquee win, is to win an important game. And that's not going to come this week. That will not be against West Virginia. The West Virginia win, which I'm going to spoil it for you. We're going to jump ahead. They're going to be. They should beat West Virginia. I have them beating West Virginia. No, it's going to have to take knocking off Oklahoma or knocking off Texas for TCU to get the respect that they deserve. It's going to take knocking off a big named, a big time player for them to get the respect. But this is not new. This is something that TCU has always dealt with for whatever reason. They consistently deal with having to fight a, a, a name that I think that they deserve to have. I think that you should put TCU in the conversations with the Texases and the Oklahomas and even the Texas Techs of the world. Before the season, Texas Tech was picked as one of the teams to win the Big 12. I think TCU deserved to be in that conversation too instead of being voted in the middle of the pack in the Big 12. I think they're a better team than that. Uh, I want to talk about Utah who is beating ass in the Pac-12 in the final season of their Pac-12 membership before they join the Big 12 next year. Right? I guess it'll be like almost like the Big 18 at this point with the amount of teams that are joining. But Utah is going to be a problem. And I, I don't want to do a ton on this. Utah will be a problem next year in the Big 12. They are going to absolutely wreck shop for some teams. I said before the season that TCU had to win games this year so that next year they come in as a dominant force, that the recruiting really heats up this offseason if TCU wins some games, and that they potentially could fill the power vacuum that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. But as things stand right now, Colorado and Utah and Arizona to a certain point, I think Arizona is going to be on an uptick here pretty soon. I think those three teams are going to have a big impact on the Big 12 in the future, in the near two year, year and a half, two years, versus Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati, who have all 
look like they might be a little bit out of their element through four weeks. Let's talk about the game this week. Two 3-1 teams face off. 3-1 West Virginia versus 3-1 TCU. Those are two very different 3-1s. Neil Brown, the head coach of the Mountaineers, I don't ever want to call for somebody's job, but the Mountaineer fans are already doing it. So I'm going to say this. He's the worst coach in the Big 12, and it's not very close. I think that he might be possibly one of the worst coaches in college football. He has the hottest of hot seats when it comes to a coach. Now, he got a contract extension two years ago to go through 2026. Right now, the buyout would be nearly $17 million if they fired him. Since leaving Troy in 2018, he has the second worst record over four years. He's 25 and 26. It's the worst four-year stretch for the Mountaineers since 76 to 79. That is a very telling stat to me. Five and seven last year, missed out on a bowl game, and the conversation was moving to let's get rid of this guy. They won last year against, or last week against Pitt. They won this week uh, against Texas Tech. Now that is going to be a the win against rival Pitt at home was important for West Virginia. In that game, though, they lost out on their quarterback, uh, Garrett Green. He got an ankle injury. He was able to suit up on Saturday against Tech. He did not play in that game. Instead, they played the freshman, Nico Marsilio, who had a okay game, threw two interceptions, 78 yards and a touchdown, uh, and he was the leading rusher with 72 yards. Dual threat quarterback. The conditions were awful in that Texas Tech game. Uh, Texas Tech, of course, lost their starting quarterback in the first quarter. At that point, it really was just what can the Red Raiders do to kind of put together some semblance of an offense. And even then, when the other team loses their starting quarterback and arguably a top-four quarterback in the conference, you think about Quinn Ewers, Chandler Morris, Dylan Gabriel, and it was probably Tyler Shue who went down for Tech. He's probably the third or fourth most important quarterback in the conference. When he goes down, it should have been a win for West Virginia. It should have been a no-brainer. But even then, Texas Tech was able to drive down the field in the final two minutes and almost win the game in Mount Morgantown. That is a failure of coaching. That is a failure of schematics. That is a failure on the Mountaineers. They're three and one in really name only. They they are not a three and one team. This is not a great program, a great team that's coming to uh, Fort Worth, and I'm disappointed. I have a family who went to WVU. My mom graduated from WVU. I have connections to Morgantown. I have connections to West Virginia. I want that program to be good. I want it to be at least decent, and and they're not. They're not that right now. Um, the defense bailed out the offense. That was a big takeaway I had in that game that West Virginia's defense, they ran a 4-3 against Tech. I think that they're going to look, they're going to give Chandler Morris different looks, I think. I think they, they did a good job of blitzing um, an unexperienced Texas Tech quarterback, an inexperienced Texas Tech quarterback, whereas Morris, with experience, should be able to handle that pressure a little bit better. TCU's offensive line is better than the Texas Tech offensive line, I think, to this point as well. The defense for TCU will be tested. It is up in the air. 
You you almost have to game plan for two quarterbacks, a mobile quarterback in uh, in Marcelio versus Garrett Green, who, from my understanding, even with an ankle injury, he wasn't the most mobile quarterback. You're not play, game playing against 2010 RG3 by any means, right? You What you're doing is you're game planning for a quarterback who's semi-mobile versus a quarterback who will be immobile, who will be more of a pocket passer. TCU's defense is set up for a pocket quarterback. The 3-3-5 is set up to shut down the uh, the, the passing game and to n- no neutralize the running game. TCU has done an okay job stopping the run. SMU rushed for over 100 yards on Saturday. I think most of that came in garbage time from, my, from what I remember from what I watched. I'm not entirely convinced that the defense is as good as it was last year. I think that it took steps back in a lot of different ways. But it is still a sturdy enough defense that they should not allow West Virginia to come in and win this game. There, there's no excuse for that. Um, I still think Neil Brown might be on the hot seat. I still think he has a chance to uh, get canned <laughs> pretty soon. And I don't think that West Virginia... Uh, will miss him. I don't think Mountaineers fans, from what I've seen on t- online and from the West, Virgi- West Virginia fans that I know personally, I do not think they're going to be missing Neil Brown by by any means. TCU opens up as an 11-point favorite at home in this one. I would take uh, TCU for sure. Not gambling advice. I'm just saying that they should be a two-touchdown favorite or two-score favorite at the absolute least against West Virginia. What they need to do in this one, continue to get Bailey the ball, I like using him in the short yardage situations too. I was watching a lot of NFL football yesterday, and a lot of the announcers were talking about using the running game in the third and short. It's funny. I, I think that TCU uses the passing game to supplement the run in a lot of different ways. Last year, I you, you, they used Miller. They used the running game. They used passes out of the backfield. They haven't done that a lot with Bailey this year. They've more just run the ball in between the tackles. I'd like to see what that looks like. Can we use a swing pass? Can we get things going? Finally, I want to add a little salt on the wound here. I was very upset when uh, Garrett Riley left TCU. We talked about it all offseason that the offensive coordinator from last year's national championship team ends up leaving to go to Clemson, which I did not think was a step up by any means. Clemson lost to FSU at home. I like that. I like seeing those type of things. I wish him nothing but for success, but football hatred is real, and I'm glad that uh, FSU beat Clemson just because there's, like, that connection. That Like, you know, you left TCU for this, quote, better job. I don't think it's a better job. That's going to do it for the Hypnotoad podcast this week. I want to thank you guys for listening. Please continue to share and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your Hypnotoad podcast. And remember, win a free Heartland College Sports koozie by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and sending it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. Next week, we'll talk about a win against West Virginia. Until then, be good.